sometimes there's people talking about you in rooms that you've never been in, that you've never heard of, people you've never seen, and they're literally deciding the fate of your future. Welcome to the Dear Younger Me podcast. I'm your host, Peter Egwai. If you could give three pieces of advice to your younger self, what would they be? Our guests answer that question and tell their story with as much honesty as they can bear. No names needed, but I try to make sure everything remains raw. So, if you want to get involved or for anything else, drop me a line via hello at dearyounger.me. On this episode, we talk about why you need a little bit of crazy to play NFL. The trials and tribulations of moving to a new country while you're in primary school. And why it's important to learn how to be a servant before you try to be a leader. Okay, so welcome to the Dear Younger Me podcast. Today we have Dominion. Can you introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Dominion. Is it Chiboise? Um, currently in the United States right now in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm an online personal trainer, web developer, and social media marketer. Um, very honored to be here today. This is very exciting. All right, perfect. So I'm going to jump straight into it and ask you, what's the first piece of advice that you'd give your younger self? The first piece of advice would definitely be to uh, get closer with God and try to find that relationship with Christ. Um, yeah, that would definitely be just knowing what I know now, you know, and having the relationship I have right now. Um, if, it would, if it would have started sooner, you know, obviously the blessings would have been more abundant and not life would have been easier. Not life would have been a, a, a easier, but I would have known how to navigate life a little better, you know being that I know that, you know, I'm, I'm protected and I'm covered. So that would definitely be the first piece of advice I give my younger self. Getting closer with God, it suggests that at some point you were further away. So why were you far away and why are you closer now? I was, I was far away, but like I, I grew up in a Christian household. So, you know, I just, I knew God was real. I believed in God, but you know, there's a difference of like knowing God and like actually like following him. So I was definitely just, just knew him and just was living life, you know, growing up i had you know pretty rough rough upbringing so my focus wasn't on god it was just about surviving and just getting through the day and you know making sure that i'm okay right and then what really got me into christ was you know when i started playing football american football um you know i knew i wanted to be the best at this game i wanted to be the top level i wanted to be a pro and you know not everybody can be that and it's it's, it's, it's incredibly hard and i knew like I knew, like I said, I knew, I always knew God was real. I always knew, like, you know, I believe in Jesus, but it's a difference of knowing and like following him. So when I made this, the decision to, you know, take this route and, you know, try to be a pro and, you know, get to the NFL, like I knew, like I needed God, you know, I knew like I couldn't do this by myself. I knew like I wasn't blessed with like any crazy athletic talent or anything. I had to get it out the mud, as we say in the States. I had to, you know, work hard, really, really, you know, perfect my craft. And I had to put all my faith in God, you know, all my faith in Jesus to provide opportunities and, you know, set me apart. So that's when really, you know, I started walking with Christ. Like when I made it to, when I made the decision to, to say that I'm going to NFL, right. Not like I'm not that I want to go, but I'm going, right. I spoke in faith and uh, I knew that Christ would get me there. So that's when the, that's when the journey started. How exactly does getting closer to God help you deal with, people trying to clothesline you in your day job like what, what <laughs> position do you play first what position do you play I, I play running back all right running back so explain what a running back does 
So the running back is next to the quarterback. And the quarterback is a dude, when he says hike or hunt or whatever, he's the one who receives the ball from those big guys, those big fat guys. And then either he can hand the ball to me, the running back, or I can go out for a pass and he can throw it to me. But primarily my job is to get the ball handed to me from the running back, I mean, from the quarterback, and run past five, well, 10 big dudes. There's five on my side and usually four or, or three on the other side. Defense trying to trying to get me down. I have to run past them. They're going to run past another set of, uh, another trio of, you know, three, not as big guys, but they're, they're strong. They're very strong, very fast. And uh, I have to get past them. Then I have to get through another band of, of uh, uh, smaller guys, but they're very, very quick. They're very explosive. Um, so they, they can come at you like a missile and it feels like they're strong, but they just came, you know, come at you so fast. So to get to the end zone, that's my job. And, you know, it's the second most dangerous position on the field, the first being a quarterback, because, you know, he gets the ball first every play. But uh, once you get that ball in your hands, you have 12, I mean, 11 other people trying to knock your head off. So, <laughs> you know, you got to... You got to have a little bit of crazy to play this game at, at, at this level, right? At, at any level, really. But once you start getting to college and you get to the pros, like it's really, it's dangerous. So you really got to, you know, be tough. Yeah. So how does God help with that? <laughs> um, with the actual, like playing the position. Um, I mean, I'm just tough. Like I, like I said, I had a rough time for game, you know, rough childhood. So, you know, being tough is, is, is second nature. Nobody has to teach me to be tough. But as far as like the dynamic entirety of just getting to the NFL and, you know, all that entails, that's where a guy really comes in. Like I said, um, not everybody else there. Um, it's like point, 0.07% of all high school players in the country. That's about like millions of high school football players. Give them go D1. Hmm. And then from that percentage, another 0.009% make it to the NFL. And from that, only like point zero zero zero. I don't know this last number. I'm just making it up. But it's it's obviously smaller than the last two numbers of them stay past four years. So after four years, like a lot of them are gone, right? Either to get retired or get you know injured or kicked off or something. You know they're done. So it's not like an everyday job. Okay, I'm gonna go to NFL and apply and get this job. No, <laughs> no. This is a very, very lucrative 1% of the 1% of the 1%, you know, get to have this opportunity to even step on a field. You know, that's, you know, it's something, it's a once in a lifetime thing. It's one of those things that's once in a lifetime. And it's a once in a lifetime opportunity that not everybody can have access to, right? Like there's like, there's some once in a lifetime opportunities that you can have access to. Like you gotta, you know, maybe work a certain amount of years or, you know, get in touch with this person. But it's like, no matter, you can know you can know the owner of the team. You can have money, but if you can't play this game, like you can't, <laughs> you can't play this game. You know, you have to have the skills. You have to have the mental fortitude. All these other attributes needed to play at this level. Um, so yeah, it, that's where God came in. Like the, the opportunities, the the hard work in me. The, you know, to to stay focused because from high school, like I said, I knew I wanted to go to NFL from high school. Like I knew. I'm like, yo, this is really what I want to do. And it's like in high school, you know, you're young. You're not even an adult yet. You're not even a man. You have no hair on your chest. You got nothing. So you can't, you know, you have to prioritize, okay, I want to go to NFL, which is like 
by se- seven, minimum seven years away, right? You might leave sophomore year from college or junior year from college. So minimum, I'm trying to plan for something seven years away. I'm a little boy in high school. Like, you know, most people don't think of, think of stuff like that. They're thinking about, you know, girls and they're thinking about, you know, what they're about to do after school. They're not thinking about NFL, you know? They're not thinking about what I'm going to be doing in seven years, right? So that's where God came into, you know, that focus aspect, stay focused and really hard work. Like a lot of people throw around hard work. They don't know what hard work is to actually do it. Like you have to, like, I remember I used to, from, from school, you know, eat, only time I would stay out, it's like we're playing football. <laughs> Other than that, I'm going home, I'm working out, I'm researching how to get stronger, how to get faster. Yeah, I was, you know, watching TV and doing kid stuff. But like my my time was was primarily devoted to how do I become a better athlete so I can get to the NFL? And that was like the spirit of God starting to move in me. Like, okay, this is what you want. Okay, this is what you got to do, right? If you want to be, if you want to go, if you want to be a doctor, this, you have to go to med school. <laughs> you can't not go to med school. You want to be a lawyer, you have to go to law school. You have to know the laws. You can't just walk in like, oh, I'm going to represent you. You have no clue what laws are. You can't do that, right? So you want to go to the NFL, you have to have these skills. You have to have a certain, you know, a certain level of athleticism to even play this game. And from that age, a lot of people are not gifted with just athletic gifts. There's a few people who are. But even then, like those people who are gifted, it's usually they don't have the mental strength, the mental capacity to even get to the NFL and then stay there. Like you see a lot of guys, you know, blessed, you know, really, really fast, really, really strong. And then they get into camp, NFL camp. It's like preseason before you start the season. They don't even make it out of camp. They have all these blessed gifts, but they don't even make it out versus other people who didn't have no blessed gifts like me and just just worked and worked and worked and worked and had that spirit of focus and, and hard work. And then they made it. So, yeah, God really, you know, played. He's playing a huge part in this journey, right? I'm still in this journey. I got one more year to play and uh, show I got what it takes to get to the next level. But, you know, this journey has been from high school and it's not the way I wanted to, you know, I'm in my fifth year now. I thought I'd be gone by now. I thought I'd be gone, but you know, we can't control that. We can't control that path. Right. Faith, right. Faith is a Mm -hmm. useful tool in, in all aspects of life. Very, very. Where and when really did, that faith emerge because you're trying to do something like you said, which is extraordinary. Most people will not succeed, but without faith, I I can imagine there are moments that you'd quit on the journey. What's it like when you're in those moments and you feel like you want to quit, but you have a belief or a faith that you should go on. So when I got to college, right. So coming out of high school, um, I got recruited by some D1 schools, you know, a lot of D2, a lot of D3 schools. So that for, you know, Division One is the highest level of college you can play. Then it's Division Two, then it's Division Three. So, you know, obviously everybody wants to go D1 because it's easier to get to NFL. You go D1, you know, it's the highest platform, better facilities, you know, better um, um, competition. So if you go D1, like, and you succeed, you're going to NFL, right? It's like a almost a shoe-in. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting looked at by a couple of D1 schools. So I'm like very excited. I'm, you know, but then I didn't, you know, stuff happened and I had to go D3. I mean, I started out my career at Division Three, And after two years, I got cut. I cut from the team. So, like, you can, you can imagine, I'm just like, God, uh, like, what? <laughs> like, why did you, what, what, what am I? First of all, I didn't even go D1. You know what I'm saying? Um, I started out the shorter end of the stick. Now I'm not even on a stick. The stick has disappeared. 
like I'm getting cut. Like, how am I supposed to go to the NFL? Like I, I you know, you, you know, I had a confirmation with God, you know, and he said, this is what you want. Okay. This is what you're going to get. So it's like, I'm questioning myself. I'm questioning my faith. I'm questioning God. I'm depressed. I'm having all these feelings. It's like trying to get this job forever and you prepared and you go to interview and you get the job. Right. And then a couple of days later, you get fired. A couple of weeks later, you get fired. Like what? <laughs> been here a couple of weeks what did i do right or what didn't i do like how did i get fired so that's how i felt and it was very very tough like i said i was depressed for a little bit um when i say a little bit it was like a couple of days and i was fine but uh you know i felt like god was was speaking to me and he was saying just keep working right and then fast forward i didn't play for like two years and then i got the opportunity to play at a division one school so it was like looking back it's like oh my god like what if i quit i would have never been here I've never been here. And now currently now I'm in my second division one school. So it's like, you know, what if I had stopped? What if I didn't have that faith? And um, so I try to, you know, even times right now, you know, stuff is happening. My faith is dwindling. One day it'd be up, one day it'd be down. I'm trying to, I try to remind myself like what God has already done in my life. Like I started out at the short end of the stick. Then I was removed from the stick. And then I got placed on the far, far end of the stick. I got placed ahead of the stick, right? So God can literally just do anything like that, like that, in a, in a blink of an eye. Literally, I, I remember like I was, cook, I was cooking food, and because um, when I transferred to the school, this Division One school, um, the first year I couldn't play because of rules, NCAA rules. NCAA is like the governing um, um, entity of college football in the states, in the United States. So because of there's some rules, I couldn't play that first year. Okay, I said cool, so, you know, sucked it up. I had to like serve the team and you know do other things, and that was mentally challenging for me as well. Then the second year was COVID, <laughs> so there was no football. So I'm like, I'm like, Lord, what, <laughs> like, what is going on? And literally, I can remember I'm in my kitchen making some food. I get a call. It's the head coach and uh, and, and and some coaches. They were like, so you still want to play? I said, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> they were like, you know, we're having a meeting about you. Um, we're going to bring you in. I'm like, wow, like this whole time I've been grinding, I've been struggling, I've been, you know, depressed. And like, literally it was just a phone call. Okay. Yeah. You can play, you know, and God just confirmed me, like, I can do it like that. Like they were, you know, and they said they were having, having a meeting about me. So that means, you know, and, and God talked about this in the Bible. Sometimes there's people talking about you in rooms that you've never been in, that you've never heard of people you've never seen. And they're literally deciding the fate of your future. And God is in that room. God is controlling that whole situation. So that's what he, you know, was telling me. And I was very encouraged. And I got to play Division One. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? I'm here. You work for something so hard and you get it. It it feels so good. You know, it feels so good. Um, And then, you know, as as soon as God brings you up, he loves to bring you back down. So I had to transfer again. So I'm here again, and the second faith part, you know, another part of my life where I have to have faith, like, and it's, and it's, it's a, it's a levels. Like you're constantly, God is constantly challenging you at different stages of your life, um, from high school when I think when I couldn't go D1, you know, the faith was like wasn't as strong because I was like, okay, I could still go D3 and play football and still get to NFL. You know, people go to the NFL from D3 to D2. Then it was like I got cut from D3, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm not even playing football right now. Then I make a D1. And then that doesn't even work out after playing for some time. So it's like, you know, my faith is constantly being challenged, but God is like looking for me, like, how am I responding? Right. Because the response determines the next, the next phase. Right. So right now, like I said, I'm at another D1 school. 
stuff is a little hard. You know, there's always complications before you, you know. So, yeah, like God is really like testing my faith and my faith has faith in the Bible. Faith, it says faith is the only way to please God. We're sinners. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a you know, terrible person. But, uh, you know, God, that's why I need Jesus. But God is the only way. Faith is the only way to please God. So my faith is, you know, my way of saying like, God, I need you and I trust you for this next season. So, and like I said, looking back on what he's already done, right. And not just out this outside of football, there's lots of stuff in my life, but in, in football, looking back at what he's done and anybody listening, like try to look back on what God has blessed you with those miracles that just happened. Like, and you thought it was coincidences. There's no such thing as coincidence. Like, I think it's BS. If you if you believe in that, I respect your opinion, but I think it's BS. Like, there's no such thing as coincidence, something happening once, twice, three times, four times out of like sheer luck. Like, come on. Come on. So really look back. I try to look back on what he's done. And I'm like, okay, if he can do that, you know, he could definitely do something right now, right? He could he could definitely do something right now. So that's how I try to, you know. So if you could pick a single moment where you felt or thought or believe that, you know what, that's the hand of, of God right there. Like, wh- what is it? So literally, so literally, there's a couple of things I can actually pull up. But it was just, like, for one, I'm, just, I'm not going to go to the other one because it's kind of a story. But, you know, literally when I made it deep one, like, literally, like, everybody was, like, in high school, you're not going deep one. Like, you're not, you're not going to the NFL. It's like literally everybody, teachers, like, you know, parents. Like, you're like, just focus on school. <laughs> Like every, like everybody, like literally you have everybody tell you, you can't do something. Everybody you love, everybody you don't love, like everybody's saying you can't do this thing and then you make it. Like, I, I think that's better than, I don't think it's anything better than that in the world. I don't think like when you, when you really, really just want something and like, obviously NFL is what I really want, but playing division one was literally the step right under that. Right. And it's the, it's the doorway to get into NFL. Because once you play D1, it's like, okay, scouts look at you differently versus if you were a D3 player. If you play D1, that you played a high competition, right? So that you get looked at automatically differently, right? So that's the benefit of going D1. But, it, you know, once you, you work for something, you dream for something, you sweat. In high school, I used to, I used to wake up before, before class, before school, and, like, literally run on my street. Like, I used to wake up at 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m., run on my street. Then go to his class and after class have practice and then come back do another work. Like I was just so I just I was so hungry. Like I just it was like I wanted it. Like like I said, I was at a young age. I was 14, I was 15. I was I started working out at like 12, like middle school, seventh grade. That's when I started lifting weights in seventh grade. And uh, so I was just I just remember like every day, this is all I thought about, all I thought about, all I thought about, all I thought about. And then next thing you know, it's months, next thing you know, it's years, a year. Then it's years. Then I'm in college. And then I'm I graduated. And then I'm go back to college. And it's like, you know, you 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 watch, you look back, and you see your eyes, you see time, and you're like, oh my, oh my goodness, like you know, I'm almost there. I'm almost at the gate. And um, and you see a lot of your peers that you know they they had dreams too. Everybody has a dream, and it's like a lot, a lot of people they're not they're doing something else. And you see how they move. You see how they live. You see how miserable they are. You see how. They're so eager for the weekends. They're so eager to, to do something differently when they get the opportunity, right? From their from their normal routine, and uh, and and like and I think going back to one of the questions where the faith started was was sophomore year when I was like, I'm going to NFL. There wasn't no more. I want to because previously it was like, yeah, 
you know, you know, it's when you're in school, teachers ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what do you want to do? It was like my response was like, I want to go to NFL, right? It's written in some of my notebooks. And I want to go to NFL. I want to play NFL, da 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 In sophomore year, it became, I remember going into sophomore year, I had trained, you know, this trainer and some other older people, older kids, older athletes. And um, and I was just like, yo, I don't want to do nothing else. Like the, the, that grind from that off season until sophomore year, from, no, from sophomore year to junior year. I'm sorry, from sophomore year, my second year of high school, secondary school um according to junior year that that it was every day we're just working 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 i was training with older athletes i was you know training with this other training i was just every day just putting in work trying to eat better trying to hydrate doing all these different things sleep better like and i was like i don't want to do nothing else and then the, the, the response was different it was like you know it was just like it was i was telling people i'm going to the nfl you know what i'm saying and that's where that's where the faith really like i think that's when god was like now it begins, right? Because it was like, before it was like, oh, he just, you know, he likes it, you know, maybe it intrigues him. But now it was like, I'm walking around, like, yeah, I'm going to NFL. Like, I don't care what you say, you know, I'm going there. Not, I don't want to, but I'm going there. So that's when the faith, that's when it started. That's when it, that's when the journey, the, the, this real struggle started. Um, um, you know, that's like you said, that's when God said, that's, it's time. Now, now the race starts. Everything else was just prelims. Everything else was warm up. Now, you know, the, the journey really begins. Where did your love of football come from? It came my second year of playing, or was it first year? I don't remember. I'm getting old. But uh, I just I just remember um, um, this, this, the first game I started, I did really well. You know, I just, just, I did so well. The coaches were praising me. Players were praising me because I know I remember my first year, I was so athletic. I was short. I was fat. Um, I was always, I was always been short up until um, freshman year of high school, first year of secondary school. I grew, I had my growth spurt from eighth grade, middle school into freshman year. Grew like four, four and a half inches. It was great. It felt great. But before that, I was so small. I was small, a little chubby. Like I was. Yeah. Tell, listen. Tell the tell the world. Tell the world. Because I I was I was short. I was short at, at sixteen. I was like four foot eleven, five foot. Oh my lord. Yo, exactly. <laughs> so I'm like six six foot now, yeah. But tell oh, the world oh, yeah. what it's exactly. like. Tell the world what it's like <laughs> to be a it's short a, guy. It's not fun, especially a short black man. It's not fun. You know, I was short and chubby. Not just being short, short and chubby. Like I wasn't like if I was skinny, okay, I'd be a little different. At least I'm skinny. I was short and had some chubs. You know, I had some flabs, and uh, it's it's not fun. Nobody wants to be your friend. You get picked on easily. Like it's not fun. So uh, yeah, that growth spurt really, really, <laughs> it really, really helped. I think it was like yeah, I was like five, three, five, five, three, five, four, and then coming into high school, I was like five eight, five nine. I was like, oh snap, you know, this feels great. But yeah, that that first I can remember, like you know, I would I just I got put into the sport because I kept getting in trouble in school. So I was playing this sport. I hated it. Everybody was strong. Everybody was faster than me. Everybody's hitting me. I didn't like it. You know, I always get hit, 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 and because I, I played with older kids because I was chubby. They went by by weight. So I was playing with older kids because of my weight, and I was just getting smacked around. And then, you know, our coach made us run so much and I just hated every bit of it. I hated every, every bit of it. Um, but then that, you know, I don't know what happened like during that season, but I just like, yo, I love this game. And then that second year, 
that's when, you know, things, I was in eighth grade. Um, that's when I started for the first time. And then I remember just remember that first game, I was getting praised by everybody. You know, I didn't really have much friends growing up. But then that that eighth grade, you know, people was like, oh, you want to you hang out with Dominion? Like, you, wanna, you know, you want to do something? Um, and just like, just being needed. Like, you know, there were coaches like, yo, we need you. You know, I became a leader and first time being in a leadership type role. Um, I have three little brothers, but that was just, that was just natural. You know, take care of, take care of my brothers. That's just, that's, you know, natural, you know, but being, being held accountable for a team, for a group of men in a competitive aspect, you know, that's, 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 that's when that leadership role really fell upon me because I had to lead a team. I had to, you know, make sure we're composed on the field. I had to make sure we're on the same accord and doing everything we can, we can do to win this game. So I fell in love with the game, man. I'm like, there's nothing better than this, you know, just being able to go out there and, you know, let out all your frustrations physically in a, in a controlled manner where it's, it's legal, you know, it's legal to hit somebody and punish them. Um, that, that's when it became fun. It, it's not fun when you're getting smacked around, you know, when you're weak and, you know, that's the, so after that first year, that's when I started getting into fitness. That's when I started working out like seventh grade. I started working out. I started, uh, my mom's friend's husband gave me my first set of weights. Um, I started lifting. I started, you know, that's when I started doing, figuring out, like, how do I gain muscle? How do I get rid of this fat? Like, I came back. I was definitely stronger, definitely faster. And, you know, it feels good to hit somebody. It feels really good. And then in high school, it's like, my, um, oh, my, I, no, my first year of college, my coach was like, there's nothing better in the world. I never see, I saw, saw it this way before than, than, Moving a grown, can I curse on the show? Yeah. Oh, I would have, <laughs> I would have let it fly. But he was like, "There's anybody moving a grown ass man out of the way that he does not want to be moved?" And I just never thought about it. I just thought about, you know, I just got to get past you. So I'm just gonna run you over or try to, do, you know, like I just got to get over there. And you're in my way. But it's like it's it's a will. Like you're literally controlling somebody's will when you play football especially when you play my position because everybody's trying to get me everybody's trying to come after me everybody's trying to get me down and it's like when you take somebody and just move them like they're trying to get me and i just boom and they just fall and you, they can't do anything about it and you just you keep moving and that's life right you have all these obstacles coming your way all these different things and you're just hitting every obstacle boom 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 and you're just you just keep going and then you know, but I, that that's that what he said has always been in the back of my mind, but it was never present until he said that. And I was like, I had like an aha moment. Right. But, you know, the team being needed was really what sparked it because I was never needed before. I was never praised before. I've got two questions for you. So you said that you didn't have many friends growing up. So I'm going to ask you them one by one. But yeah, why, why didn't you have many friends growing up? So I came to this country from Nigeria. I was born in Nigeria. Came to this country. I was about six and a half. Um, in Nigeria, I had friends. I remember. I remember that. I remember. I was. I was. I remember. I was a bad kid. I went to Air Force private school. Um, I was a bad kid, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, I had friends. I remember that. I remember the playground I used to play in. It was. It was. This, it was terrible. The playground was completely messed up. But we had fun. Right. I remember. I remember just. I, I used to play with my cousins a lot. I. I was. Nigeria was fun. I came here. They have no friends. You know, I had an accent. People said I smelled. I was short. I was chubby. And all these negative things. Uh, you know, like I was just different, right? And you know, American kids like they they exclude people who are different, right? So I didn't really have friends. Um, grew up in a rough place. 
because we have money so we can you know get to live in a low-income area and um i just people just didn't want to be around me right people just didn't want to be around me and it was hard growing up and you know, like i said in a low-income area neighborhood was rough right so you know getting picked on a lot bullied you know you know getting beat up that was just a normal everyday thing that's why i was living in a state of survival that's why i didn't really I wasn't looking for Jesus. You know, I knew he was real, but I was like, I'm just trying to survive this day, right? I'm just trying to get this day without getting beat up, without getting my head kicked in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to survive. I'm not focused on God. God is fine. I'm not. I'm not. So I was focused on me. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have friends. Um, and then obviously football changed that. You know, getting taller changed that. And And that sort of leads me on to my second question, which is, you talked about leadership and there's that moment in which now you're an individual who, well, you got a gang of people literally dressed in helmets, ready to punish the other team. And you're one of the leaders. And what did that feel like? How did, how did you feel handling that responsibility of being a very important player in the team? It was, uh, it was invigorating. So when I, my, in Pop Warner, that's before high school. I played a different position. I played. I was a lineman. I was. I didn't, I didn't play running back to high school. Yeah, it was just. It was just every contest. I wasn't getting the ball, but it's, I was those bigger guys that moved people out the way. Um, I, I love that position. You know, I. I don't love him more than running back, obviously, but, you know, I love that position because it's like this person is literally trying to get to my guys, and I'm stopping him. And like a lot of times, it's called. It's, so this is this move. It's called a pancake. It's, Call where you take the defender and you put them on their put them on their ass, pancake them, right? And in, in high school and you know college, you used to get you know awards for getting pancakes or sacks, all, you know those things. But a pop order, like you really got praised, like if you got a pancake because you know you're little. So it's like when you can do that at that age, everybody's like, oh. And then you know, coach praises you. And I remember I was like every. I remember my first pancake. I got it in my first game. And then, like I said, the praise was crazy. And then after my first. When I got that pancake, they started running the ball my side, you know, because I was always moving kids out the way. I told you that second year I came back stronger. You know, I was, you know, I wanted to be better. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was just invigorating. Like it was, it was amazing. I was, I have three little brothers, so being a leader came naturally. I just never had the opportunity because I didn't have friends. I, didn't, I wasn't involved in anything to show those skills. So it was growing up, you know, taking care of my brothers. That was natural. That was I'm the older brother. That's my responsibility. I have to do that, you know. When we came to the States, my parents were working multiple jobs and trying to get, you know, their degrees didn't transfer over. So they're trying to get education, you know, American education. So they were very busy. So I had to take care of them at a young age. I was six, taking care of, you know, three little two at the time. And then my brother, other brother came. So I was young, taking care of young, younger people and taking care of myself and trying to survive this crazy environment I'm in. Right. So you have to be some kind of, you know, have some kind of skills to do that. You know, I didn't understand. I just thought that was normal. But then playing football, it was like, okay, you have to manage the team. You have to know your plays. You have to make sure everybody's you know, working um, as a unit to win this game, right? You can't have people playing with emotions, um, uncontrollable emotions. You can't have people not knowing their plays. You can't have people doing the wrong assignment. You have to be like, yo, like get in line. We got to win. Focus up. And it's like, it's a, it's a presence because not everybody can say that and people listen. Somebody can say that and be like, get out of my face. But it's like a leader who he will say it and people will follow. And, and how, so like a tip, tip for your younger self in relation to 
being a good leader, what, what would you say is the important thing for a good leader to know and to implement? Being how to, knowing how to, to listen and learn. Because every, every good leader was an even better servant, right? Like, if you, want to, if you want to lead, if you want to lead in this particular law office, right, you have to know what goes on in that office. You have to know how they operate. You have to know their ideology. And what better way to know that than to doing it for them, to being in a servant type role where whatever they need, you do it, right? Whatever that, that firm needs to be done, you handle it. Um, until the time comes for you to be a leader, to be a servant, to be in charge of that firm, because you know what, you know what, you know what they, that firm needs, you know, everything that firm needs, you know, who that firm is connected with, you know, who that firm has beef with, you know, who that firm does not, the clients that the firm does not pick up and clients that the firm does pick up because you've handled all the back end stuff, being a servant, being able to listen to what the, the, that firm needed, being able to learn from what that firm needed. So I would have definitely told myself like, yo, be, know how to listen because I wasn't a great listener because I was focused on surviving. I, I was just focused on like, like, yeah, I need to survive. Like I knew what I needed to survive. I knew what to do. So it was just like everything else was like, get out of my way. Right. So if I was a little bit more open to different things and being uncomfortable in different places, uh, maybe it would have been different. I don't know, but I would have definitely told myself, know how to listen, know how to learn, um, know how to be a good servant because, you know, being a good servant is just going to make you a better leader because you know everything that job or position entails and you can perform it better. So that first year I was a servant. I didn't, I didn't start. I was, you know, just practicing, just doing different things. But that second year I was a leader. And, you know, as I moved forward, when I got to high school, I was a leader. When I got to my, even my second high school, I transferred to high school. I, I was a leader the first day in college. I was a leader. Right. And my, in my first college, second college, I, I didn't really get to, I wasn't there. I wasn't there long. <laughs> I wasn't there long. But uh, but my first college, yeah, I was I was I was a leader. People looked at me in a leadership role because that's just how I carried myself. I wanted to be great. Um, I showed up every day to be great. Um, you know, I worked hard in practice and never never took that easy road. When it was time to run, I'm like, yo, let's run. I never come. Uh, I complained a few times when it's like 110 degrees and you've been practicing all day. Coaches keep running. I'm like, hey, I gotta. Uh, you know, I could die here and let me, let me get some water. But you know what I'm talking about? Like just being that person that's like, he's, he's going to get it. Like if I, cause football, football is war. Football is war. It's a brotherhood. You're going to go, especially once you get to college NFL, you're going to war. It's a physical, physical game. And if you can't trust that person, if you don't believe he's going to do his job, it's, it's, it's the team has no, can't win, has no commodity. But if I could, if people knew they can trust me, people knew we step on the field, you know, the man is going to fuck this person up. Like he's not letting him get past me. Right. He's going to, he's going to mess him up. Or if he doesn't, he's going to give that person hell. Right. He's going to throw his body. He doesn't care about his body. He's huge. He's been working out. He's going to throw his body in there. He's going to do his anything as much as he can to get that touchdown, to make this tackle, to do whatever it takes. Right. And that's what, that's what being a leader is about. And, 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 and knowing those things, and being a servant gets you to that position, right? So I would have definitely told myself, younger self, yeah, we know how to listen, know how to learn so you can be a good servant because as life goes on, you will progress to a leader, right? Try not to take the role. It'll just naturally, like I never asked, 
hey, can I lead the team? No, I never, I never, I've never done that in my life. I, I think people who do that are not leaders. They're not leaders. You don't ask for a leadership role. You just do your stuff and carry out your business. And people will just automatically look at you like he's a leader. Like they will ask you. I had people in my first year. Um, um, I got kicked out, kicked off the team because of something I did in conjunction to leadership role, leadership team, somebody on the leadership table who, you know, this is not audio. <laughs> this is not video, guys. I was putting my hands in quotations. But somebody on the somebody on the leadership team, leadership panel, you know, we got in, in an argument and people were taking my side because I wasn't on the leadership team, but I was a leader. Like I don't I don't need to ask to be a leader. I don't need to be appointed. I, I am a leader. Whatever room I step in, wherever I go, I just have that presence because of how I care myself, how I act. And I just try to be great every single thing I do. That's a leader. You know, he's going to be trying to be great and he's going to make sure everybody else is trying to be great. And people recognize that, especially in football. They see that, you know, they because they, they want to be that, you know, but most people can't can't be that. So when they see it, it's easier for them to follow. Right. I would say there's two people in this world, people who watch and people who get watched. Like, And most people are watchers, right? Consumers get home and just scroll on social media all day and Netflix and everything and consume and then shit the day's over. Wake up, do the same shit, scroll and consume. But then there's people who that's who they're scrolling on. There's people waking up and grinding and making the content for people to watch, right? So it's like those are leaders because they they wake up and they're trying to make themselves better. They're trying to make other people better and they just carry themselves differently, right? They don't need to ask anything. They walk into, they go into a team, you know. They get into it. They get into a new team, and they just ball out, right? I get to this new team. I just run the ball. I just do my job, right? If I see someone else slacking, I'm like, don't fucking slack. I'm trying to win a championship. I don't care. I, this is my first day here. If you're gonna slack, I'm gonna fuck you up. We play a physical game. Get on, get on the other line, and I'm gonna fuck you up. I'm gonna show other people that I came here to, to win a championship. I came here for business. I didn't come here just to come here, right? And then that attitude is <laughs> spreads fast, right? People see that, you know, pretty fast. Um, I'm just speaking more in a you know football atmosphere. Don't go to your you know day job and. Nah, do you, do you know what? <clears throat> this is the thing is I think what you're saying is is right in the sense that one of the things about the leaders that I've seen in my life <clears throat> is that they demonstrate. They don't always articulate a lot of the most important leadership lessons I've seen, I've literally seen, they haven't necessarily been things that I've heard is I've watched someone and the way that they grind, the way that they respond to adversity. Perfect example, perfect example, kind of segue. This whole Will Smith, Chris Rock slapping instant. <clears throat> the primary thing I've taken from it is when I watch Chris Rock, I'm proud and inspired by the composure he showed. Oh, yes. Like, forget about everything else. Like, forget about, you know, the this, that, and the other. But that's serious. Like, guy's 57, and you can see that this ain't his first rodeo. You know? Like, he didn't crumble. Yeah. He didn't stutter. He maintained his professionalism. And he's led me as a consequence of doing that. Cause that means that on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, I, I think to myself, you know, yeah, you have to implement that type of professionalism, that type of composure 
that type of discipline, self-discipline. And I haven't spoken to Chris Rock, but I've been taught a lesson. Speaking of which, what's the second piece of advice that you'd give your younger self? I would definitely tell him, you know, just be, be, be tenacious. I would tell him just, you know, because in that period of when I was a child, um, and I was in survival mode, you know, I would listen to, this is before football. Uh, I would, I would, I was, I was controlled, right? Like there's things I wanted to do that I didn't do because my, my environment, you know, my, my, my parents, I'm not saying be disputing to your parents, but I'm saying, you know, be tenacious, right? Like most people know what they want to do in life, right? I'm all about like your purpose. I'm all about like, my podcast. It's called Media Motivation. It's about finding your purpose. It's about mental health, you know, but primarily your purpose. And I'm all about, you know, what were we put on this earth to do, right? Because at the end of the day, there's two things promised to everybody. We're going to go through pain and we're going to die, right? So it's like, those are two negative things. You're going to go through pain, negative. You're going to die, negative. So you're put on this earth and it's like, you have to exude some type of positivity because the the moral of, the, of everybody's story is we're going to go through pain and we're going to die. And a lot of people, they just do both. That's it. They go through pain in their life. You know, they listen, they be a good follower and then they die. What kind of life is that? That's terrible. Even as a child, I don't care because pe- people die at church, you know, at a young age. People die as children. Children, kids die. And what, what, what kind of life is that to suppress for a child that, you know, maybe he wanted to play basketball, but his dad didn't believe in basketball. He believed in books. And instead of keeping letting his son go play basketball at school, he forced him to read books all day. And then his son got cancer and his son died. What kind of life is that? And it's like, yeah, people don't think about this, but I do. You know what I'm saying? I think about these things because anything can happen at any moment. Like tomorrow's not promised for me. Why do you think about these things? I think I just, this is just how, this is how I was, I guess how God made me. I don't know. It's how God made me. And, and, and I think about it, honestly, I think about it because obviously I always used to think about this, but I think about it because I'm, I, I believe that I'm on my purpose. So I'm living purposefully. I'm living differently than anybody else. I'm not saying I'm living luxuriously. I'm not saying I'm living better than anybody. I'm just living more purposely than any, than 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 people than most people. Most of my peers, most of my peers don't know their purpose. They're you know in school or some of them just my peers mainly just graduated and they're getting big big boy jobs, bigger jobs. And, and in the midst of talking to some of those people, they they hate their lives. This life suck. Yeah, they're getting paid every two weeks a nice nice paycheck. A lot of them nice fat paycheck. Um, but they hate their lives. They're miserable. One of my boys just texted me, I'm about to quit my job. Their lives is terrible because they don't on purpose. They just think what they need to make some money. But like I said, you could die tomorrow, right? Um, it's like, I'm, I'm more in this way now. I just had a, you know, one of my teammates, um, one of my teammates killed themselves, killed himself two weeks, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. So I'm definitely more, you know, walking way differently because it's like, he was young. He was 23. He's my age, like I'm 22. You know what I'm saying? That's my age. But um, you know, we think it's when we get old, when we get some gray. That's that's when the time is, you know. And it's like it's it's an eye opener when you see somebody 
not just somebody, football player, division one football player, like, you know, on the road to NFL, strong, healthy, you know, like, he's gone. Tell us, if, if you will, like, what did that feel like to, to hear that a tough guy, a genuine tough guy, right? He's a, he's a football player, is checked out. I just remember, like, when my boy told me, like, how he died. I saw the message. I just broke down. And every time I try to go back to the message to respond, I just keep, I kept breaking down. Um, I'm just thinking about, and he was talking about, but he was, he's such a nice guy. He was like, there was, he, he was like, he was, I'm not trying to compare myself to him, but we had the similar characteristics, characteristics of like always laughing, never had beef with nobody. Beef with never, nobody beef with this kid. Like, like if you saw him at a, at a party or even during practice laughing, you know, just positive, just laughter, just, you know, and it's just like, what kind of demons was he fighting that nobody knew because of this laughter persona, right? Like, and how, how strong was he to, to be carrying that for so long and still be laughing, still have this positive outlook, positive appearance, and be, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, like I said, it just reinforced, you know, my purpose and just set me on a different, like, I'm, I'm going to grind, right? No matter how uncomfortable it is right now, like, be tenacious. Like, I'm I'm struggling right now. I'm just going to be real because, you know, most of y'all don't know me. Uh, <laughs> I'm struggling. Like, it's, it's a struggle to pay rent. It's a struggle to put food on my table. Like, it's a struggle to do things because I'm I'm trying to get to the NFL right now. I'm, I'm in a position where, you know, I can, I can go... I'm actually applying for jobs right now, but remote jobs. But I, 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 I study something good and I have experience. I can go work a nine to five, you know, in the office and get paid 90 to 115K. I can go do that. That's available for me. I have a degree. I have, you know, I'm competent. I can go do that. But instead I'm living a, you know, struggle life, chasing this dream because I can go get a nine to five and I could die a week later. And that's how I'm looking at my life. And that's, that's how tenacious and hungry I am because that's, that's just, it's, 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 it's so hard to explain. It's like, it's like you, you, there's a point where you can explain it, but it's like, if other person's not receiving it, I, could, I shouldn't even be talking to that person. You know what I'm saying? Because if you can't grasp, like you're going to die and you can die at any moment, like it doesn't matter what age, it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter nationality, ethnicity, it doesn't matter, none of that. Like, that's why I think racism is so fucking stupid. So dumb, so dumb. You have to be a fool to be a racist. You have to be a, literally an idiot because we're all the same person and we all have the same fate. The same fate, fate, yeah, fate. Like, we're all gonna die. You know what I'm saying? We're all gonna die. And I'm not trying to be cynical because some people make it cynical. And like, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want it to be cynical. I want it to be inspiring. I want people to go out there and truly live. Like truly like go out there and act like you're not going to be here tomorrow. Act like you're not going to be here the next day. Act like you're not going to be here next week. And if you do that, right, your life will be, your life will change in a week. That's how you change your life in a week. Act like you're going to die tomorrow. Hmm. So, so you, you, you've mentioned a few times sort of, sort of death and, treating each day as though it may be your last but have you had any brushes with death well number one i was born dead 
Um, when I was born, my alveoli's little balls in your lungs that pump air were not working. And the nurse missed it. And the doctor almost did because the nurse missed it. You know, he doesn't check first the nurses. And then I got rushed, I got rushed in, I got intubated, uh, put on a breath, uh, uh, not a breath wise, whatever the machine's called. I just know I got intubated. And the machine was pumping air for me. So I was born dead, off rip, got, you know, the devil. Devil was like, we we can't have this man in this world. He's he's gonna do something great. And you and you and, and you said you said no, like literally you pancaked the dude. No, the God did that because I, I mean I was I was a baby. I, I couldn't do shit. <laughs> yeah. God was like, no, no, we, we no, I need him. I need him in this world. So uh, he pancaked the fuck out of the devil for me. I appreciate that, G. Uh, no pun intended. But yeah, I was born dead. Um, but um, so I was in middle school. Uh, this is actually the first time I'm saying this publicly. But I was in middle school and my dad and I always had beef. You know, we don't really have a relationship. Um, but uh, you know, we got in this one one scuffle and then you know, he almost killed me in uh, my closet, you know, just choked me out, choked me out. I remember I passed out. And um um the neighborhood I lived in, you know, I never I always got beat up, but nobody ever pointed good at me, the real one. So as far as like coming close to death. Do when I was born in the uh, in middle school, but um, I mean, a lot of people can't say that. A lot of people have came close to death. A lot of people have, you know, and it's like for those people, it, they have the same realization, like, oh shit, I could die. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like it's real scary, but it's like it's it's I I, I try to tell people don't don't think about actual how and like you know ways you could die. And, that's when it becomes negative, you know. That's you don't want to think about that stuff. Uh, I, I, this is gonna be a surprise, but just know, like you, you're gonna die, or that you could die tomorrow. You could die next week. So just live this life right now. Just live it, right? Try not to. And I need to be taking my advice sometimes. Like you know, what I'm saying, like life is hard. Everybody stresses, but you know, try not to have stress. Try not to think about bills you gotta pay, or think about this and that, or who's stressing you. Just just live your life. And uh, obviously, you know, be responsible about different things, but just live your life because be tenacious about your dreams and what you feel like God putting your heart to do in this world because it's temporary. And even when you do do it, like, you know what I'm saying? Do it to the fullest capacity because sometimes people get their dream and then they die. I found that out too. Like a lot of people, like as soon as they get their dream, something happens, they die. And I'm like, damn, they just got it. You know, they just, you know, they just got the stain. You know, they just went where they wanted to go. and you know, they, they die. So work and, and, and try to get what you want to get this life. And once you get it, really, really maximize it. Like really, really maximize it. Like, you know, the NFL is a dream, obviously. Um, and I'm gonna try to, you know, really, really go hard and, you know, play as long as I can play. Um, but there's, you know, this, this, as I'm maturing, this guy is showing me, you know, different things that he wants me to do. Like in the NFL, the NFL is for me. The NFL is just like, he was like, this is for you. Right. You know, this is your gift. This is your reward for having faith. And um, but there's things that the NFL is going to lead me into, right? God is using the NFL as a stepping stone for me. So it's like I, it's like the, the NFL is great, but it's like if I'm if I'm believing that God's saying that there's things that are are greater than the NFL, right? And it's going to provide lots of value to the world and lots of value to my people. I'm Nigerian, like lots of things I'm going to do, like. 
it's even more motivation for me. I got to get there. You know what I'm saying? Because if, if I, if it's going to lead to me doing greater works for, for people and greater service of my, my people, like I have to get there and playing is just, it's going to be for me. Right. So I'm going to enjoy playing. I'm going to, you know, play as long as I can play, playing the actual game, being on that stage. That's for me. That's for, that's the reward for my faith. Um, but then, you know, there's more dreams, there's more goals, there's more purpose to after playing. Um, that's going to be a result of actually getting to the NFL. So, and, 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 and me having these different realizations is because I'm in my purpose. Like I, I'm in my purpose. I'm on my purpose. Most people can't have these things can't have these realizations because they don't know what the fuck they're doing in life. They're just waking up and like going to work and waiting for the weekends to get drunk. That's a terrible life. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying that's a terrible fucking life. Right? And, and you know it. They know it. That's why they fucking hate Sunday nights. Because like, damn, I go back to work on Monday. So don't even be mad at me. Be mad at your fucking self. Because you have the opportunity to go in that job and say, I fucking quit. Fucking two weeks notice. I'm out of here. And you may have to struggle for a while. That's fine. But you're going to be way more satisfied because you're going to be, you know, you're going to find that purpose and you're going to work towards it, right? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to strive for it versus being a slave to some company that you most likely hate. Uh, a lot of my friends, they hate where they're working. They, it's because it's good pay. They hate the ideology. They hate everything about the company. Hate it. Hate it. Hate the clients they work with. It's terrible. They hate it. But they're just doing it for a check, for some grain, some a piece of freaking paper. With this ambition for the NFL. Is there anything about being a pro athlete in the NFL that you're not looking forward to? The only thing really is I'm not looking forward to um, the publicity, the press. You know, like American press is disgusting. They they just don't care about your personal life. And when you become a, it's like in, within the laws, when you become a public figure, like the press have, well, I was in parentheses again, public figure. The press have certain accesses. Like they can, they can literally be outside your house, like, like waiting for you. <laughs> like who, who, who the fuck wants that? Like, so I've been like trying to have discernment and talk to God. Like, how do I handle these people? Because I actually hate that. I actually hate social media. I hate like everybody. I, I hate people knowing my stuff. I don't like to know. Like, I like, I'm a private person. Actually, like I, I like to be private. But when I wanted you to know something, I, I don't care. But I like, I like privacy, right? So that's the only thing I'm really not looking forward to. And the, and the politics of the NFL, like there's lots of politics like within the organization. So that's, I just want to, I just want to play ball. I wish I could just, okay, sign contract, play ball. If you do good, you stay. If you don't, we get you out. Okay. I'll just keep doing good. All right. It's, I don't get in trouble. This, let me just play football. All right. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's never that. It's, it's funny. Like this platform, I'm a very private person. Like I, I, and, and it's strange. Like when I was initially thinking up this idea, one of the difficult things was thinking like, how am I going to chat to people and ask them about some of their, you know, you know, private moments in their life. Like why are they going to share them with me? And then I realized that ultimately, actually, it's kind of like we're, we're talking, it's a podcast, yada, yada. But it's like, I'm just hanging with you. Like if, if, if I was to bump into you in a bar somewhere and we're chatting in between your practices, we'd chat, you know, and we'd be real. We'd be real. And in the circumstances, you know, people can overhear. But when I look back to, to being younger, I remember being younger and thinking, you know, I'd like to be a politician. 
you know, I, because I, I was naive. I thought, you know, being a politician would be the way in which I could change the world and make the world better in some way. But I didn't really understand what politics was as a kid. And the reality of life, like one of the most disappointing, I'd say for me, aspects of adult life is the insertion of politics into pretty much everything. And I don't know if there's a way to avoid it. I don't know if it right, is right. an inevitable feature of human existence, like gravity or something. But yeah. the politics, and when I see now, and obviously I watch a lot of you know US press and media, and you might see some of what we have over the pond here. But yeah, the political life, I definitely do not have any interest in jumping into that fray. And I'm a person who, I love a good debate. I love, I love a, you know, I love a fight to be honest. But the thing I find, and I, I think this sort of touches upon the point I was asking you about in relation to celebrity, like you, you refer to not really wanting to be that type of public figure, is that the fight's not fair. That's more than anything else is that the fight's not fair, that a person can essentially be dragged and become public enemy number one at the click of a finger and everyone else jumps onto the bandwagon. And, you know, mob mentality, mob, mob rule is bad for a reason, you know, because at the end of the day, the mob is crazy. And when the mob gets going, yeah. So I, 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 um, I envy sometimes professional athletes but the one thing i don't envy them for is the fact that they just can't go and sit down in their local restaurant yeah and I, and, I, and i and that's something also like maybe why god is making me wait slowing things down before i actually get there like because i know my i'm a very responsive person right and there's something i'm working on and i used to have anger problems i'm a very responsive person someone puts a camera on my face i'm gonna break that fucking camera and these cameras are like ten thousand dollars like I mean, I'll pay it. I'll pay that. But it's like, I'll probably be breaking a camera every two weeks. I don't want to pay $10,000 every two weeks, right? So, you know, guys were like showing me like the stuff with Will Smith. Like literally, when, like when you said, I was like, if I was Chris Rock, I would have knocked Will the fuck out. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Oscars is done. I'm not, I'm not taking that, right? But it's just, and the, some of the stuff reporters and journalists do here in the States, oh my goodness, they have no regard for anything. They have no ethics. They have no morals. They have nothing. And a person like me is like, I'll knock you the fuck out. Like, I don't care, right? <laughs> Obviously, I can't be doing that because that's a huge fine. But um, you know, just learning, like learning different ways to, because you know, there's ways to avoid them. There's there's ways, there is ways. I'm learning. I'm, you know, there's ways to have your privacy, right? There's ways to do that. And because I, I like you said, politics. I I actually hate politics, but. I well, I wanted to be like a like a Martin Luther King type figure, like you know what I'm saying. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to speak. I love speaking. I took debate classes in college. I love debates. I love winning debates because I love just arguing. Because I'm I, I'm a little narcissistic, but I can admit when I'm wrong. So that's why I'm not you know crazy. Because when I'm wrong, I come. I'm wrong. You're right. You know. But I love being right. I love getting the debate, and I love when I'm, I'm right. I know I'm right, and this person is dumb, doesn't know they're right yet. And I'm like, you know, I have my chance, and I completely slaughter them. Right? I love those times in class. I used to slaughter people, absolutely destroy them. And I wanted, I, I, you know, I used to have aspirations of like change, like 
because I saw that was changed. Like when I said, when Martin Luther King, it was changed, right? Malcolm X, that was changed to, to be able to invoke feelings in people and, 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 and make them act on those feelings. I thought that was powerful. Almost like Jesus, right? He just did a couple of things when we had a couple of people with him and changed the entire, just changed the whole world. And I used to, you know, I used to want to do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, mean, I don't know, but I just want to play football and the other things I want to do come from football. Great. But yeah, that public stuff, it's just, it's just being wise. It's, it's being wise. It's being wise. It's, it's just being wise. I, um, a few years ago, I was, um, playing football and like five-a-side football, soccer. And one of the guys on my team, good player, and he was like the nephew of one of my friends on the team and young guy. And the other, basically we beat the team. The other team didn't like it. So they start getting aggressive, start picking on him, picking on him. I come off the pitch and I can see that one of the guys, one of the big guys on their team is basically standing in front of him and sort of being intimidating. So I sort of walk up and I, I'm going to get involved and just like, yo, calm it down. No problem. You lost the game, shake hands, no problem, whatever. Anyway, partly intentionally, I'm directing them to me instead of to him. But what happens is literally the entire team. So it's like the five players, plus they had like three subs, plus two people who just come to spectate, all descend up. It's like a pack of wolves, basically. And I'm now standing there. And because of the type of person I am, I'm not going to stop talking, right? I, you, you're not going to intimidate me to stop talking, right? So literally, I, I keep chatting and I'm saying like, no, nah, no, nah, you, you're not going to do whatever. They're, it's escalating. Anyway, at some point, I hear a sound. I've heard it a few times in my life, which is a high pitch ringing in my ears, which means that I've just been hit. I don't know where from, but I've just been hit. And basically what had happened was one of the guys had run from behind me, picked up a gigantic like bin and smacked me yeah. over the head with a bin. Oh and in one of the proudest slash foolish moments in my life, as I go down, I come up, I'm like, what, you think that's going to stop me from talking, right? I'm, I'm not backing down yeah. at all. Yeah. Right. Anyway, it escalates in, in, in certain ways. And um, a point comes when I get home that evening and I'm like listen man Peter you're a big man now like at the end of the day how do you avoid these types of situations in future you know because it's, it's just crazy I didn't do anything I wasn't being aggressive I wasn't trying to bring negative energy towards me in fact I, I was trying to protect someone I was trying to de-escalate a situation anyway on tv it was the anniversary of Martin Luther King's, um, uh, the speech where he talks about, I've seen the mountaintop. Now, I'd never really paid attention to the whole speech before. Um, but this show was basically talking about how he comes to make that speech. And if you listen and you read that speech, my guy's basically saying, I know that people are trying to kill me. I know that people are trying to kill me. But that's not going to stop me from talking. That's not going to stop me from yeah. doing what I'm doing. And when he's talking, and I never knew this, when he's talking about, I've seen, um, I've been to the mountaintop. He's quoting Moses, firstly. He's quoting something that happened in the Bible. But he's basically saying like, look, when he says, I may not get there with you, 
That's not rhetorical. My yeah. guy genuinely knew that people are out to get him. A couple of days later, he gets killed. That was yeah. his last speech. Yeah. And it was an eye-opening moment for me as a person because yeah. it meant that, do you know what? The ways in which you can achieve your objectives, if you want to improve the world, the ways you can achieve your objectives is literally just do you and be you. You don't have to worry about the fanfare and you most certainly, most certainly should not let the negativity out there dim your light one iota. Quite the opposite, actually. You should make it, use it as fuel to make it blaze brighter. So I want to ask you before I ask you for your third um, piece of advice, what dominion do you believe that you were put on this earth to do? So this is a very easy question because it's my purpose. And I know my purpose. My purpose is to spread the word of God through overcoming all the obstacles that he has laid in front of me. You know, they said I couldn't go D1. I went D1. Said I couldn't be successful. I have two businesses and amongst other stuff I do. Um, you know, and like at the forefront of that is my faith and belief in Jesus Christ, right? And the power that he has. And you know, I'm going to spread his name. Um, I'm going to get to the NFL and all these motherfucking people. Oh, these little fuckers. I'm sorry, I had a pie mouth. You, you gave me the green light, bro. <laughs> you gave me the green light. I'm, Listen, man. I'm a I, terrible mouth. I, 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 I believe in like fully unlimited free speech. Yeah, do you? Man. I appreciate, do it. You. I appreciate so, it. Let me ask you yeah. what's the third piece of advice that you'd give your younger self? Third piece, um, it would definitely be, it would be to be to be foolish. And for anybody listening, don't take this out of context. What I mean by be foolish is, I remember when, when I remember when I was uh, when I was a child, and first time I ever watched football, right? I remember the game and everything. I was watching Brandon Jacobs. He was just running people over, and I'm watching this game. First time I'm ever watching football, new to the country. I'm like this. This is this is what I want to do, right? I don't want I I don't want to go to school. I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a teacher. Like I don't want to play this game. I want to do what this this person is doing right now. I can just remember a couple moments later, my dad comes in, turns it off, and puts on the news. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm watching that like, typical Nigerian dad. <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm watching the news. Are you come on? <laughs> so I put on this, I'm watching football and you come out and turn on this rubbish news that talking about <laughs> someone getting killed and this politician is doing something stupid. That's stupid. I want to watch football. And my dad's like, yeah. Obviously, I didn't say the exact words. I got my ass knocked the fuck out. But, you know, I'm like, I was watching football. He said, what is that? You know, to him, football was dumb. What is what is this dumb game? What is this a game? And this is, this is before I knew you could make like me. I didn't know you they made millions of dollars. I just, I just knew that they were, you know, running people over and being physical. And I, I loved it. And, you know, I, I don't know if he knew it. He, he, I don't know if my dad knew it either, but you know, he was just like to him, that was just a dumb game. Why do you want to do that? I looks brutish. That looks, you know, and, and that game has been more of a father figure to me than he has, you know? And you know, so when I tell people to be foolish, that game to other people was foolish to them. 
right? And a lot of times people want to do things and they have these dreams and they have these, these, these things that just make them just unquenchable, right? They make them just jittery and, and people think it's dumb or people think, you know, why, why do you want to do this? Right. Like why? I could, I could just, I could just imagine the first person who, 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 who wanted to make a, uh, uh, streetlights or the first person who invented cars. They were like, we have horses. Why the fuck do you want? What? Why do you want to do that? We have horses. Like they're, they're everywhere. You know, you could just get a horse and get over there and you just can feed it a little bit. Like, why do you want to make this contraption? Right. Why do you want to fly? You know, are you, like you think you're, you're not a bird, you're a human. Like what? You can't fly. That's dumb. That's that's foolish. And then the, they ended up flying, right? Like we have these things that we want to do, and people consider them foolish. And when I was a kid, you know, I couldn't listen to my dad. I mean, I would not be in this podcast today. I wouldn't be in the state. I would. I don't know if I would be here a lot because I was, like I said, I was living in a rough area. And I probably would have got caught up doing some stu- sort of stupid. Um, I got friends who were dead. I got friends who were locked up. You know. I got friends who just came back from being locked up and just, they're like, damn, I don't know what the fuck to do. They can't really get a great job because they're a felon. So it's like, football saved my life. And this, this, this game, you know, was told to me to be foolish. So my advice with my younger self, I'm like, don't listen to any fucking body. I don't care who it is. Be dumb. Right. You have, so you, you have something you want to do. And you know, it's, it seemed otherwise it's viewed otherwise. I don't care. Do it. Be dumb. Be foolish. Cause you're a child, bro. You know, even if, if it actually is done, okay, whatever. You move on. That's life. You're gonna learn. You're a child. You're you're a baby. You know, you're gonna grow. You know, and and honestly, even if you're Colonel, look, Colonel Sanders. I don't know if you got Colonel Sanders is who invented Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? One of the best chicken in this American world, and he got his first franchise, first store at 62 years old. I know people were telling him, you are retarded. <laughs> Can you imagine? Man at, 60, man at 61 said he woke up one day, looks at his wife. He says, you know what? I'm going to start making fried chicken. I'm going to make the best fried chicken on the planet. People must have been like, what, what are you talking about? All right. And I, I could just imagine the faces on, on people's face. I can imagine faces on black people's face. Best for best chicken in the world. You know what I'm saying? And then what is KFC today? The freaking largest chicken service whatever he's got billions of dollars he's not alive but you know he still saw some of it but that man you know family's loaded and just like that and you could be whatever age you could be whatever demographic you could be whatever and you want to there's things that you want to do things that you're urging you're itching to do you know and somebody has told even maybe yourself is like this is dumb this is dumb why am i even thinking of this like I'm 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 an immigrant from Nigeria. Like I go to the NFL. <laughs> I'm not cr- I'm not crazy fast. I'm not crazy huge. I'm not crazy strong. Like you see people playing this game, got people like six, seven, <laughs> 380 pounds, like you know. And it's like I could have been so easily discouraged. You know, because as a kid, I'm trying to compare myself to these grown ass men. I'm like, trying to flex and I'm looking in the mirror like ah, almost almost <laughs> I can't remember the last time I've looked at a professional athlete and genuinely you know 
been enamored, like, oh, do you know, I want to emulate. But I think the thing that unites any person I've played sports with is that there's a point in their life where literally they try to, at different moments, embody that person, right? So oh, yeah. whoever your favorite running back is, you're not just trying to be a running back but you're trying to emulate exactly what this man did. Like you're trying to, that, that Saturday night football or whatever, Sunday night football, whatever it is in the States, that highlight show, you're trying to emulate these things that you've seen, this, these moments of greatness. And the thing is, is looking back as, a, as an adult, it's crazy. It's like, it generally is foolish, right? As, as you're saying, it's foolish because I, I, I remember practicing, so... Roberto Carlos, Brazilian left back, fantastic free kick taker. In 1998, he scored one of the best free kicks you'll ever see. It was in a competition called Le Tournoi. They're playing France. He's about 35 yards out, left foot shot. And it swerves so far that one of the ball boys, who's about 10 meters away from the goal, ducks. Because he thinks it's going to hit him. And then the ball swerves, goes in the net amazing i know you won't appreciate it because the ball's not the right shape but you get i've seen those like yeah yeah kick it this way and then just yeah exactly 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 i I can't do that now the thing the thing is the thing is literally i remember watching that and going to my local astroturf and like practicing that shot now as a grown man i still play football but i watch stuff on the tv i don't immediately think to myself, do you know what? I want to go and try and do that exactly, right? But that foolishness, that that childish enthusiasm basically is what yeah, made me the player I am today. It's, it's, it's what basically allowed me to learn and gain skills that I otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have gotten. And and I think you 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 were talking about having people who you know, get locked up, dead, involved in all sorts of madness. There's people, of course, like I know there's people who are on road, they haven't been caught yet, but as far as I'm concerned, they're living a madness. And that's foolishness. That's foolishness in another way. So what I want you to do is like demarcate the two, like what's the good type of foolishness and what's the bad type of foolishness and how would you advise your younger self to differentiate between the two? Here's, I'm going to use my example. So here's a good type of foolishness, right? I'm watching a game. I'm like having a aha moment. Like, oh, wow, this is what I want to do. I'm loving this game. And then my dad comes in, changes the channel to the fucking news. And he's like, that's rubbish. Like you're, you know, focus on your studies. Now, good foolish is, you know, okay, whatever. Goes to my room and gets on a computer and try to find research football, research, you know, NFL research, you know, you know, how do I get to NFL? Literally, I Googled that before. How do I get to NFL? Like, that's good. That's my dad just told me it's dumb. You know, he's focused on studies, but I'm in here Googling again. I don't know at this time in my life. I didn't know like football players made what they made. I just, I just figured they just, it's just grown men playing this game period. And it's just on TV. So I was purely out of the, the love for the game. I was like, I want to, you know, so that's a good type of foolish, you know, doing that research or, oh, how can I get to the NFL? How, how can I play football in my area? Like, where is there football? Like a dumb, a dumb foolish would be telling my dad, hey, fuck you, put, put the channel back on. 
that would have that would have got me knocked the fuck out. Right. So there's different foolishness. Like, like you talking about people doing madness, like what's foolish, you know, some of those people like, you know, people, people selling drugs or people living this life of crime, you know, and then to their peers, what's foolish is going to college or going to get their GED or going to get a real job. That's foolish. Like, why would you go get a, a real job and make something or education when you can make a hundred racks this week? You can make what people make in a year this week. Like that's that's dumb. Like, why would that's just them, me? I'm that's I want to make hundred k in a week. Like why why would I go make hundred dollars? That's dumb. But that's you know this. It, it's all about discernment, right? It's all about having discernment. And most people, right, ninety five percent of people understand the good foolish and the bad foolish, right? Common sense. It's common sense, right? It's, it's common sense to not tell your dad. Who's a grown man and you're six, seven years old, fuck you, put the channel back on. And then Jerry mad at that. You getting knocked the fuck out. That's that's come on. Yeah, I know better, right? But that's a bad foolish. A good foolish is like I said, going to my room, pulling out a laptop, pulling up, going to YouTube. I don't even think YouTube was YouTube was not like <laughs> okay, maybe YouTube wasn't like that uh, when I was a kid, but Google, Google was here. And saying, you know, how do I get to NFL? Like, what's football? Like, how do I play football? My, you know, how can I get more of this thing that just, you know, ignited something in me? How, how can I get that? That's that's good foolish. Because my dad just told me, like, don't focus on that. It's rubbish. You know, so I'm still going against what he said, but in a smarter, foolish way. And, you know, you have to, you have to have discernment. You have to have some kind of, you know, common sense to understand, you know, good foolish and bad foolish, right? It's like, it's like taking a, taking a risk on a deal. If you're in real estate and, you know, you've done the research on this house and, you know, it's, it's looking like it's not going to be good. It's looking like, you know, but you, but you, but you, you, you put this amount of money in it and you talk to this person, you talk to that person, you check the market, right? There is a possibility where, okay, you can get a huge return on this if you do it this way, right? If you do it the right way, right? Versus everybody else telling you, this is dumb. Why would you put money? Like you're not going to get nothing back, right? You, but if you but if you do the research and you talk to these people and you you searched out the market and you've done these other things to, you know, um, support your your th- your statement of oh this could possibly work, versus just like picking some random house, picking some random property, in some random neighborhood, and just throwing a whole bunch of money and hoping the shit works out. That's dumb. You know that's that's retarded, right? So like I said, most people understand, you know. The good foolish and the bad foolish, right? And even even when they even when they pick, even, like most drug dealers know what they do is fucking bad. Criminals know what they do is fucking bad. They know, they know they can go to jail for this shit. They they know what they do is bad. So you know, people can't act like, oh, I didn't know. Or, no, we know, we know what's foolish, what's good foolish, and we know what's bad foolish. It's just about you know, like me being a younger kid and. I didn't go to my room and, and, and say, and start looking at football. I just, you know, I don't remember what the fuck I did after that, but I just kept the dream. I'm like, no, you you can say it's rubbish, but in my head, no, 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 no. I, I got to find that. I got to find where they're, where, where this is going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's like a drug. It was like a drug for me. Like I saw it that, that one instant I saw it, it was over. Like I, I was going to figure out a way to get that drug back again. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't going to just let somebody, I don't. I was my dad. You know what I'm saying? He helped bring me to this world. I was. I don't care. I'm not just gonna let him take it away. Like it was a drug for me. It was good foolish to say for my brain to say, "Yo, don't forget this." And and 
And, and like you said, is that the fact is, is that the consequences of you taking that path, you know, made all the difference. There's a quote popped in, popped into my head. Is that <clears throat> it's a Gandhi quote, and he said, um, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And and what what like I was thinking of that quote, and what popped into my head was watching Snoop at the Super Bowl. Right, the Super Bowl halftime show recently. I, I don't watch the Super Bowl regularly, right? But but I watched this one. I actually stayed up and watched it, which was yeah, it was a pain. But I stayed up and watched it, and it was like an amazing show. And Cooper Cup, I thought he was amazing. Like I, I'd never heard of him before, much less watched him. And he was just so calm and cool and kind of humble at, at the end, you know. But the halftime show was awesome because you had Snoop, Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, 50 Cent and Kendrick Lamar and Snoop Dogg's Crip Walking. And I just remember, I remember back when people used to laugh at rap, you know, when people used to literally laugh at, you know, um, you'd, you'd have um, talk show hosts making like the, the gangster hands and laughing like, oh yeah, hip hop and, and like Snoop's winning. And it's like, in business, in business with it, is it Martha Stewart? He's sort of legitimized his life. And at some point, at some point back in the nineties, when he's doing what he's doing, most certainly people would have been like, you're a fool. In fact, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the mainstream press that now lords and loves him back in those days, if they were real, would say like, this guy's a buffoon. This guy's a clown. This guy's a fool. But you know, there's something about believing in your path, in your purpose, like you said, being tenacious about it and yeah, have, having, having faith because ultimately that's how, to quote Martin Luther King, that's how you get to any promised land that's worth getting to, I guess. That's how you get to it, man. It's, you know, because in, in, in just that speech, like you said, was so powerful. Like, you know, him referencing Moses and, and I and 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 that speech is so you know so religious, like just a reference of Moses and 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 he he knew, you know he and it was crazy because, um, because I was watching, I remember in middle school watching this thing about Malcolm X and like when he died, right before he died, he smiled at the person who killed him. Like he he had smiled, and and um. In the investigation, like he had been arranging different things because he just had a feeling like he was going to die. Like, you know, that man knew Malcolm X when, when you know, he, he, he said, I'm not even mad because I knew, you know, I, I knew you were going to, you know, be in this moment and, and end it this way. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even mad. Do what you got to do, bro. You know, and running with the king the same way, just, you know, putting it on paper. Like, that's why he put it on paper. I, I, have, I have a book sitting on my shelf that has like, it's a, it's a book of some of the greatest speeches have ever been made. And it's a really cool book because you open it and you just delve into the thoughts of a person, you know, it might be JFK, Martin Luther King. What's the book called? Oh, oh just one minute. You got to send it to me. Right, I got to get that. One minute, one minute. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. All right. So it's called The Penguin Book of Modern Speeches. And basically, yeah, it has 
all sorts of speeches from all sorts of people. But it's when you read them, you read them and you really get a sense of considering what that person was going through at that particular moment, you know? Like, I'm, I'm just, literally, I've just opened up the contents page. And in 1964, so this is, this is a title of this particular speech, Nelson Mandela, an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Like, jeez. It's like shivers, right? It's like, these, these are, there are some amazing people in history and using the power of words, but also the power of the examples that they've set alongside those words. They brought ideas to life and like literally changed the world in, in, in which we live. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. So with that being said, I'm very grateful for your time. It's been a great chat. Um, Likewise. I look forward one day to watching you at the Super Bowl, perhaps. NFL cool. most certainly, dude. Like at the end of Amen. the day, at the end of the day, when that happens, yeah, when that happens, so the first NFL touchdown, first NFL touchdown, like you have to come and explain it to us in detail, what you did, how you did it. But also that feeling, that feeling, oh man, that feeling must be amazing. I can tell you the feeling right now. Go on. Because I've, I've been to the goddamn promised land. I've seen <laughs> that shit so many times. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, um, I'm not trying, I'm trying to get emotional, but it's like, it's just like a, it's like, I can see myself just taking yeah. a big ass, this breath, like, Yo, I'm really here. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, because I and when I first seen this, it wasn't like I'm super excited. Oh my god, this is going to no, because I've seen it already. Like when I get there, it's like it's like it's like me looking back to this time or well, the time I saw it initially, and it's like I'm excited, of course, like celebrating my team. Boom! I go back to some. All right. Get back to business. What's, on to the next one. What's the next, what's the next play? What's, what, what's going on? Oh, you know what I'm saying? Because I've I've been there. You know, those emotions aren't too high. Because it's like, my faith is like, I believe God will get me there. He's already got me there. I just have to walk into it. And then I believe I'm going to score that touchdown. But yeah, I can see myself just running. I play in my head all the time. Just running. Running. Boom, 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 boom. This crowd is going fucking wild. It's 90, 100,000 people in the stands. And you can... You so in, in those, those kind of stadiums, you can it, it ground moves a little bit, you know. When people, when everybody's standing, and it's like a little mini earthquake, like you feel that shit. And you're like, oh shit! It is like your whole body's shaking. You got adrenaline, like I got an adrenaline from running, got adrenaline from the crowd, and I'm just <clears throat> I'm about to about to walk through the end zone. I'm get there, you know. Thank God, I'm just I look up, I'm like ah. Listen, man, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful image. Not bad for a kid that was born dead. You know what I mean? You know, so good luck, good luck, good luck on the quest. Let us, yeah, you know, keep, keep me posted about it. Man, you better have me back on here after that. I'm like, I'm like, I'm expecting you. I'm expecting your call. I'm <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yo, before, before we leave, I'll end the show the way I'll end all the shows. And I want to ask you, we've talked about advice that you give 
your younger self. And right now, in this moment right now, what advice does Dominion need? What advice would you give yourself right now? <sighs> Allow, if I really trust God, stop trying to do everything your damn motherfucking self. Allow him to take some load. I feel like because I'm trying to rush things right now. I, I, I you know, like I want things like in my business, it's growing, but there's, you know, few issues, right? And like, I know what needs to be corrected. And it's like, all right, I want to get it done, right? I want to, I want to, I want to get it done. And, you know, other areas in my life, it's like, it's so much. And I'm trying to heal it all and ease myself off. And God's just like, like, this is why you have me. Why are you, you know, why are you stressing yourself? Like I'm trusting him. I'll trust him in one area, but I won't trust him in another area. Or I'll trust him a lot in this area, but I won't trust him that much in this area, you know? I would definitely tell myself right now, bro, just take a chill pill or something like, go, you know, go, go smoke a blunt, lay down on my bed, you know, say a prayer and just relax. Like, you know, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dear Younger Me podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you want to be on the show, send an email to hello at dearyounger.me.